Hi everyone, it's Tali from the Astro Twins, and I am here with Jessica Lanyato. Hi, Jessica. How are Hi. you? Hi. Yeah, good. How are you? Glasses on because I, in honor of you, because you always have the fiercest collection of glasses. What's I'm obsessed with those glasses. I'm obsessed with yours. What's going on with yours? I'm loving those. Thank you so much. They are from. I know this sounds terrible, but they're from Italy. I was walking <laughs> through the streets of Venice, and I. I found this glasses shop and I met the man who made them and I was fell in love with the frames and I bought them. I feel like it's a really magical story, but also makes me sound really douchey. Um, but that's my douchey magic. For it you. makes you sound like someone who has Venus in the first house, as I know about you. <laughs> and also, um, so if you guys have never heard of Jessica, get with the program because she is incredible. She's the host of the weekly astrology and advice show, Ghost of a Podcast, and uh, the author of Astrology for Real Relationships, Understanding You, Me, and How We All Get Along. And I know for you, you always say no topic is taboo or unworthy of kindness. So everything goes with you, and I love that. Absolutely. Um, and your website, Love Lanyado, and you're on social media at Jessica Lanyado as well. So, you know, I just want to take a minute also to gush about why I'm starstruck by you, me and OFR, because not only are you such an incredible astrologer, I met you at Norwalk uh, Astrology Conference. I was just loving your talk that you did and just the way you present. Yes, but thank you. you no, know, you've been mastering your craft since what, 1995, right? Yeah. Yeah. I moved to San Francisco in 1994 to become a, a professional astrologer. And so I've just kind of like dedicated my life to like being in a private practice um, and coming to some form of mastery over astrology. So yeah, you yeah. actually, you, I mean, you're triple Capricorn, sun, moon, and rising. Anything else in Capricorn in your chart? No, thank That's a God. <laughs> that is God. enough. That is enough. Sun, oh. moon, and rising. Check. Yeah. Check, check. <laughs> you know, I mean, as a Capricorn rising, Jupiter north node myself, I feel that triple cap thing. And I think, you know, the one of the words that I always associate with you and you really exemplify is integrity. There's an integrity yeah. to the work that you do. You've got a great sense of humor and style, but you do not mess around. <laughs> um, you know, you're a medium, you're an animal communicator, you're a medical astrologer, medical intuitive. I mean, I'm sure you have a longer list of credentials with that triple cap that I, you know, you know, that I have even listed, but, um, you know, your new book, uh, Astrology for Real Relationships, is so thorough. And that's the thing, you know, that I really love about your work. You don't leave a stone unturned, do you? <laughs> Thank you very much. I, you know, I, I try really hard. But, you know, this is the problem with astrology. It's a delicious problem. But the problem with astrology is it's endless. Like, endless. there's just an endless amount of data that we can mine from every stone, to use your metaphor. And it's really like, it's, it's like, there's this part of my brain that's always like, I, I didn't say enough. I didn't explain enough. I didn't uh, break down enough. And that's that Capricorn perfectionism, oh but God, I, I definitely, that. right. It's, 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 it's a thing that we, I think those of us who have a lot of Capricorn in our chart, it's like, if you're really committed to the work, the work is never done. And I think with yeah. astrology, the same thing is true. You can study astrology your whole life and still be a beginner. You know, you can, Absolutely. you can practice astrology your whole life and still be learning in every encounter. And so I think, you know, with the book, the thing that explodes my brain every single day is I'm like, should I have said this? Could I have included that? Oh my How God. could I have expanded this? How could I have added more of that? So it's just, you know, there's got to be more than one book, I guess. I is have really the same the voice line. in my head too. So anyone who's watching, if you're a student of astrology or you've just started even like being a practitioner or you're far, even if you're far along in your path, know that that voice may never go away. There's always, you will never learn it all. You will never be able to be a master of every form of astrology. Well, maybe you will. And you know, you know, the way <laughs> I'm with you on that. Evolving, someone might be able to, these Gen Zers out here, can, you know, have an astro chip growing in their uh, brain right now. <laughs> an astro chip. I really like that. I feel like when you go to the like astrology conferences, as I've done for the past 15 years, um, 
it's like you really encounter different forms of experts. And with astrology, what people don't know, unless they're like in the world of astrology, so you can be a scholar, you can be a writer, you can be a, a consulting astrologer. A lot of astrologers don't meet with clients. That's not their primary mode. Um, yeah, there's like a lot of different ways to practice. There's a lot of branches. And so I kind of think it's impossible to be a master of all forms of astrology because how could you have thorough enough interest um, in all the things, because there's so many things with astrology to be interested in. And, you know, that said, you know, you meet the greats who've been practicing for, you know, 50 years or more, and maybe they're the exception to that, you know, but yeah. um, there are some, I mean, I am so always, you know, it's like, there's so many articles out there now, and I know you've been in some of them too, about millennials and astrology. And we're going to dive into talking about relationships in 2020 in a minute, because I got a lot of questions for you, but we have to take a moment and, and talk about this because, you know, there's this, this whole media buzz, like, astro I mean, it's true. I think astrology is having a moment, mm -hmm. but maybe it's having a more public moment. I'd love to hear what you think about that because I, yes. Yeah. Yeah, I agree with that. We've been into this. We've been obsessed with this and people have been, it's just now we have social media and you can wear it like a badge of pride. I mean, do you think it's, do you think it's more prevalent now than usual or is it? Just I think, I think it's more, I mean, yes and no. I think what you're saying is absolutely true that it's like, come on. I mean, how do you explain the 1970s? Uh, if you don't think that astrology was everywhere for, you know, generations. And then at the same time, what's really different now, and this is like not talked about enough, um, or maybe, I don't know, maybe it is, I don't think it is, um, is that now we have technology to do the math. And the math was a barrier of entry That's for true. us, right? Because for us, we had to learn, because you and I are around the same age, we had to learn by hand because there wasn't a computer to do it for you unless, I mean, I don't know, maybe some people had computers back in the day, but it was not most I people. had a neighbor in the early 80s, Donna Pickin, who actually, she played the organ in the church choir. She was a Libra. And she did my chart on like a green monitored computer, I think it was. Amazing. I mean, I have no, I don't know if it was early, early solar fire software or what. I think I was playing Oregon Trail on there before. And then all of a sudden it became an astrology computer. That's amazing. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, I have my son in the 11th house. So I like to, you know, doing it by hand is agony for me. Technology agony. is my friend, you yes. know? <laughs> yes. I'm a hundred percent with you. I hated doing the math, but I will say that now that no one has to do the math and now that no one has to actually memorize or learn uh, anything but the fun parts, it is more accessible. And I think that this is something that like, um, is, is tricky because there's a lot of memorization and learning that needs to go into, um, astrology before you get to the fun parts it's actually really boring to learn astrology at first and now you know i think tens of thousands of people have access to the fun parts and never really mess with the boring parts and uh and i think that that has changed how many people have a functional knowledge of astrology and that doesn't mean that they could comprehensively read a birth chart um but they could comprehensively read parts of birth charts, which is new and different. Um, and we can thank technology for that. And I think we can also thank, you know, um, this kind of idea of like millennials, this and millennials that, I mean, millennials are grown ass adults, right? I mean, millennials are adults in their thirties, a lot of them in their later thirties now. And yeah. so really what they're talking about is the demographic of people in every generation that spend the most money and are the greatest consumers of content across the board. Like that's who yeah. gets the focus because when you're in your thirties, early thirties, you're like at those crossroad moments of like, am I going to get married? Am I going to settle down? Am I going to buy a house? Am I going to be single for the rest of my life? What am I, you know, you're in this decision overload because there's that pressure to be an yeah. adult for the first time. And that is like, you're like ripe for marketing. So, but I do think, you know, you're, you, that is such a great point you make. And anyone out there who's kind of, you know, been astrologized, which is great. <laughs> I, did you just come up with astrologized? <laughs> Sorry, I wish I could. I wish I was wearing a top hat because I would take my hat off to you. Astrologized. There's more think. where that came from. It's like you know, Sagittarians just crank those out. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but it's really it, go back and learn some of the. Go back and learn. Go the go to do the deeper learning because. Mm -hmm. 
you know, it may be boring. I find it fascinating though, you know, once you actually understand more about why and where this came from. And so that is very Capricorn, which is a great uh, segue into talking about 2020 because we have such a Capricorn heavy year. And I thought you would be the perfect person to kind of talk about what you see. I mean, we've got Saturn and Pluto having their conjunction there for the first time since 1518 on January 12th. We've got Jupiter and Pluto matching up you know, conjunct meeting up at the same degree of Capricorn three times in April, mm -hmm. June, and November. So what do you make of that for like, what do you think is ahead for us all in, yeah. you know, or what's that going to, what do you see? Yeah. I think, I, I think of that just like I think of all astrology on multiple levels. There's the level of the global impact and we are already seeing a rise in public um, unrest, like social unrest. We are seeing people coming together and hitting the streets to fight back against tyranny um, from corporations, governments, um, or just oppressive patriarchal systems, which is really, um, I think, indicative of not just that Saturn-Pluto, but also Jupiter coming into the mix. Because then we get Jupiter is about philosophy and big ideas. Um, and I think that when we have all of this energy in Capricorn, we have the potential for people to come together and to reshape society, the, the infrastructure of society. So on a kind of social impact level, I think that this can go um, very strongly for the people, by the people, or it can go very strongly towards further authoritarian regimes and more fascist uh, conduct. And I am very much of the mind that when societies and communities come together, this is the positive side of Capricorn, when communities come together and kind of support each other in our differences in practical terms, um, we will reshape society. And when we hide and we protect our individual interests and we go into that fear-based, scarcity-based Saturnian vibe, mm. this is where we are more susceptible to um, authoritarian style regimes or corporate or religious domination. And so that's kind of like my, my social hit on And that, that is a great point, especially with Jupiter and Pluto together, because Pluto really... Uh, like all those unconscious fears that are swirling yeah. around and Jupiter's coming in like a giant spotlight. So I love what you're saying because it's like, pay attention to those fears that are yeah. unconscious. Get, get, make friends with those monsters under the bed because if you don't, then you are maybe susceptible to the shadow side of Capricorn, which is that authoritarianism, patriarchal, you know, mm -hmm. system that we've been living under for so many years, right. not having this opportunity, we have this great opportunity for it to, you know, transform, but we have to, you know, I think that is what we've been dealing with a lot since 2016 is like yeah. all the shadow is in our faces and we're asking ourselves, why is this happening? Instead of saying, like, what am I going to do about it? Right. How am, how am I going to stand up and be a part of it? And that's the positive of Capricorn is personal accountability, uh, living in integrity with your kind of values as much as you can here and now. And I think, you know, when we look at something like our inherited um, trauma, you know, in the U.S. of genocide and slavery, we have to deal with it as as societies. We have to deal with it now. There's no pushing it back into the back of the closet. There's no pushing it under the rug anymore. It's it's up, and we must not just look at this from a systemic place, but then then we get into the personal. Like, how can I tolerate my complacency in things that are unjust? How can I um, not just tolerate it, but tolerate it enough to figure out how I need to change, how I need to um, be critical of my engagement in my life or in the world so that I can make different choices? Because the thing that people misunderstand about Capricorn, certainly Capricorn, Saturn and Capricorn, is it's a time for conservatism. It's a time for going small or like being self-protective, but that's actually not what Saturn wants. Mm. Saturn wants, Capricorn wants um, well-intended pruning. Uh. It, wants, it wants us to edit. It wants us to have already written the book and then go in and make the book tighter, cut the book into smaller pieces. It wants us to take personal responsibility so that we can have a more um, 
intentionally curated life and not curated in that Venusian sense, but in the Saturnian sense of like, this is my reality. How mm -hmm. am I going to take responsibility for what I've inherited? Because Saturn is related to the inherited and Capricorn is right. related to the inherited, but also you know, what I'm doing with my power, what I'm doing with my privilege, what I'm doing with my time and my money and my efforts. And with Jupiter coming, I think, you know, again, on the social, we'll hit the personal in a minute. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but on the social, the downside of Jupiter in, in Capricorn with all this other stuff is that we may see a rise in the religious right across the world. Um, we may see um, this call out culture really becoming destructive as people just bark uh, from their soapboxes at each other. And that's always the downside of, of Jupiter. Um, and the blamingness of the Capricorn energy is something we need to be careful of. Calling each other in um, or letting, you know, or just kind of like focusing on your own homework. Those right. are really Not good strategies. self-righteous in that, you know, I am better than you. Yep. Yeah. Or, or like not being able to tolerate other people's learning curve because we all have a learning curve and we all have our own kind of way of responding to fear and all that Capricorn is fear. It's scarcity. It's depression. We all have our own way of when we feel a certain kind of fear or scarcity, some people just shut down and disassociate. Some people get blaming. Some people get uh, depressed, you know, and, and it takes time, effort, and support to come out. And it's not everybody's job to take care of everyone who's like shut down in the face of difficulty, We're, but we are in this together. And so I think call out culture, there's like a, a phase of development where I think it's okay and it's healthy yeah. and it's useful societally. Um, and then there's a way that it really is really deeply problematic and it inhibits growth as you know, we will see evidenced by the kind of punishment and, um, and and blame of Saturn Pluto. Saturn Pluto loves to punish I mean, I blame. See, I see a couple like we were talking about Greta Thunberg being yes. maybe a triple or double Capricorn too, right? And she's she's kind of an example of call out culture being used to empower a movement. Yes. And then yeah. I don't know. I have my mixed feelings about the OK Boomer thing that everybody you know. It's like okay, yeah. it's funny. You know things like that. It's like okay, yeah. we can just take each other down with one little comment now. And as a Sag, that was, used to be a favorite sport of mine in an unevolved <laughs> era of my life. Uh -huh. um, but, you know, it's like, it's funny. And then it just, you just start to see how it just gets you nowhere. And yeah, I think, so are you, do you feel like 2020 is kind of an opportunity? Like, a, you know, the yeah. window is here now. We got to do, you know, work on this, right? <laughs> Absolutely. The, the window because of climate change, because of the increasingly global nature of our world, because of so many things, including kind of the peripheral, the, the like capitalism has really spread. And I'm not, you know, here to say pro or anti-capitalist, but I am here to say that when corporations have more rights than people in society, communities, we have a misuse of Capricorn energy. We have a misunderstanding of Capricorn energy. And so when we have all of this, this energy in Cap, we will either understand that personhood is personhood is personhood or we will have bigger problems and it, the problem with capitalism is it doesn't it's not a good bedfellow with global warming it's it isn't not. It yeah. isn't. And so all this Capricorn energy, let's not forget that Capricorn is earth energy. It is the earth. It is, yes. it is cutting back. It is conservative. And so we talk about Capricorn as conservative, like Lindsey Graham or like an actual, like political conservative, but it's actually as Greta is a great example of it's conservatism in a, being a conservationist. Right. It's using resources intentionally. That is my vibe with Capricorn as a sun, moon and rising in Capricorn. I I am nobody's idea of a conservative. Um, nobody's idea of a conservative. No, but I am no, very much many a Capricorns are not. I mean, are not David Bowie for God's sake. So exactly. I can live. Yeah. It's being a conservationist. It's using um, words, resources, energies with intention and not wasting or squandering what you have. That's the true nature of conservatism um, at at its like healthiest and in its integrity. And it gets warped by yes. ideologies. Right. And this is Such where 
Yeah. And this is where we have to be careful with call out culture and it's not new. It's just different now that we have the internet. Um, but this like blaming and punishing thing is very Capricorn in its unhealthiness. And when we lose our humanity or we compromise our humanity in efforts to protect our humanity, then we've lost the thread you know, and that's what Saturn Pluto is trying to teach us. Mm -hmm. And, and that's, you know, it's global, it's social, and it's also personal. It's very personal. Which is a great segue into your book. And I want to definitely talk about your view on relationships. One thing I want to just backtrack on, because Sag always says one more thing. I love um, it. <laughs> which is, you know, what you said about us inheriting the system. When I was researching, you know, for our 2020 book, we both have our books behind us, which I love. There's her beautiful one right there. Um, you know, there was a major shift in the transatlantic slave trade in 1518, the last mm -hmm. time that Saturn and Pluto were together in Capricorn. That was when a king in Spain actually legalized the Middle Passage. So the, the system of slavery that still has created the culture of white supremacy that we live in globally now um, was actually, you know, kind of really had a major uh, sad, I mean, it's major... Yeah expansion back in you know the last time Saturn and Pluto were together in Capricorn so we're kind of really yeah. that cycle is in our face now and maybe yeah it was like ratified into law that's <laughs> that's the thing that's so Capricorn right it's like right. it became things, legal to, yeah right and this is where we have to be careful as a society is that something being legal doesn't mean it's ethical Right. Something does being legal doesn't mean it's right. Resistance and resistance to tyranny and oppression and and misogyny and racism and homophobia is illegal a lot of times. And those you know resisting those things is in integrity. And this is where the Saturnian crisis occurs, right? Of will I do what's expected of me? Will I please um, the most conventional people with power that I know, or will I live in integrity with myself? Because here's the here's the true talk. There's no shortcut to your soul. There is no, no shortcut to living in integrity with your soul. And there's no way of evading consequences. You might not deal with the consequences until X amount of time, but there is no evading those consequences. And I mean, I know I've never sounded more like a triple category than I do right I now, but I believe what I'm saying. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I really, I believe it. I believe it. So I think that this is huge. And I, you know, from, from what I, and I don't, um, you know, I don't have like the research in front of me, but from what I remember from the research I have done, whenever Saturn and Pluto meet, regardless of sign, we see, you know, the incorporation of prisons, private prisons. Oh, we right. see like that actually more, did happen. Yep. The corporatization yeah. the last time. Mm -hmm. Yep. That was in Libra, I think, right? Saturn, Pluto, yeah, and Libra. Or civic. Yep. Was for then. Mm -hmm. It's really life. like this, this, this like um, legalization of systemic oppression and repression is the danger with Saturn Pluto. And there's only one way it doesn't go pass. It's if people, masses of people rise up and, you know, we can look at what's happened in, Ch in Hong Kong's uh, election just the other day. Yeah. Um, it really was uh, so inspiring. There's people around the world who are rising up against tyranny and it isn't legal. It isn't and legal what they're doing. more with Saturn going into Aquarius for that brief yeah. window from March 21st to July 1st. So if you didn't yeah. know, Saturn is going to finally take a little break from Capricorn for the first time since December uh, 19th, 2017 for just a short window. And then it'll be mm -hmm. back in Aquarius for a longer spell on from December 17th of 2020 till March 7th, 2023. So that's going to bring in a different energy. Saturn yeah. is the co-ruler of Aquarius. So it's still at home there. It's the ruler of Capricorn. What do you think? What do you see? For I'm concerned, yeah. honestly. I'm concerned not just because of Saturn and Aquarius, which I'll speak to very specifically in a moment, but because on the other side of that will come that Saturn square to Uranus. Mm -hmm. And what what I think we, we need to always do with astrology when we're looking at our personalized or social conditions is have a, a big picture view um, and then work to get present and start from here. And so when we go big picture with Saturn and Aquarius, we can see, um, unfortunately, the crackdown on social movements, the crackdown on communities banding together. Um, and I think this is like when we look at, you know, 
social media and the data collection and the proliferation of like fake news or lies, um, this can be really tricky looking at the themes of propaganda and how they impact our sense of community and coming together because Saturn and Aquarius can actually serve to rip us apart and focus on our differences. And so again, this is part of why I'm like obsessively talking about how we can come together and see each other as cousins because we are cousins, all of us, people mm. you hate, people you disagree with, they're still your damn cousins. They still have dignity. <laughs> you still have to see the dignity in each other, right? That's my cousin. Oh, right. I know you can hate your cousin. We all have those cousins. We do. And, and we you know so what? Seven we, <laughs> at, least. at least. And we deserve to see the humanity in them because we want them to see the humanity in us. And I think that when we see Saturn moving into Aquarius, we're going to see some things kind of rear their heads. And when they return, when Saturn finally does leave Capricorn, we need to be ready. We need to be clear about what our values are and what we're willing to do for not just our friends, not just for our family, but for our cousins. And I think that, you know, when Saturn and Uranus do finally form a square, um, there will be consequences um, for activism and for, um, standing up for cousins. And I think it's really important that we're willing to bear those consequences because if we bear them together, then we change the outcome. And if we bear them separated as that Uranus, uh, that Aquarius and Capricorn stuff is like, it does separate us. But when we remember how we are only separated in duality, now I'm going to get a little spiritual on this, but yes, go ahead. When we, that's why we're here today. That's, talking that, to you. that's what we're here to do. Uh-huh. So yeah, the, the kind of like Saturnian, concept of duality. Saturn, I'm sorry, Capricorn and Aquarius both make us feel alone and uniquely aware of our our aloneness and in a very different way, but ultimately it's the same thing. Saturn, uh, Capricorn vibes are really like, I am alone and it's my responsibility to do this thing for me and my family. And Mm -hmm. Saturn Aquarius vibes are, I am alone in my head. My unique universe is only me and no one will understand it. (laughs) And I think that when we allow ourselves to be divided up by corporations, governments, churches, parents, whatever it is, authority figures, then it reinforces the scarcity part of Saturn. And when we are resonating with scarcity, we can only do enough for ourselves and we can't bear to do something for someone else. We can't bear to take risk. We get conservative in that Fire unhealthy way. Uh, there's not enough to go around. Exactly. With Saturn and Aquarius, however, there have been historically some big social justice initiatives yes. that happen. I think like throughout history, Saturn and Aquarius has also brought us that exact, like maybe it pushes us to that point where we're like, yeah. wait a minute, I don't want to feel this way. I don't want to feel alone. I don't want to be, you know, living in this system that doesn't work for my cousins as well as me. And it is historically been a time where people yeah. have kind of, so, you know, people like, rise up and come together. Cause this is yeah. the thing, you know, if you're, if you're learning astrology, you always want to remember the, the kind of order of the signs is not an accident, right? It's like the, when we have a planet moving through the sign of Capricorn, we got to get real. We got to like start acting. And then in Aquarius, we can kind of like, there's more energy moving us forward with our actions. And this is, I think, part of why we see trends of social justice and and things becoming um, kind of more for the people occur because we're finally ready to like not start. We don't start in Saturn and Aquarius. We start to get results in Saturn and Aquarius, (laughs) right? We're at that like, okay, I got to work from this higher mind now because my best material world push is only taking me so far. Yes. And you know, but I always think of Aquarius as that unconventional, uh, it can bring people together too in unconventional ways. And that's, you know, let's talk about relationships. Let's talk about it now because, um, you know, your book is called Astrology for Real Relationships. So I want to, you know, what do you, you know, and I, I, like I said, it's so thorough because you don't just write about, you know, I love that you see relationships beyond gender binaries, you know, you've always written that way, but also, um, you know, you talk, you don't just narrow them into romantic relationships. You have categorized the book into 
friendships and chosen family, dating, and then long-term relationships. So, you know, what makes a real relationship? Mm-hmm. You know? what, what makes it real to you, you know? I, yeah, for me, you know, my, my conflict with astrology texts, not with astrology itself, um, but with astrology texts is that their relationship books seem to have historically focused on boy-girl long-term monogamous relationships. So it's basically, first of all, you have to be straight. Uh, Second of all, you have to fall into the gender binary. You then have to already be in the middle of a long-term relationship in order to get the value from it. Right. And um, all of those things do not resonate for me personally in my personal life. And so I think that, um, and and I also see a lot of like talking about like uh, family of origin but from a very heterotypical place. And I think that um, when I'm thinking about astrology for real relationships, I'm thinking about, I have a lot of friends I've never met IRL. I have a lot of friends that are like my digital friends. I have, and that's my real life. And that's like millions of people's real lives. We've only so, hung out once in person, but we have the same taste in jumpsuits. And yes, we, we do. Both doing our nails when we got on the, uh, you know. Yeah, and we've hung out on the phone and we've like been yeah. connected for years. But I and feel it's, totally connected to you, but it's so true. It's like, it's like that. It's like that. And and the the reality is for a lot of people, certainly this is nothing new for queer people, but for a lot of people across demographics, our friends are our chosen family. Our friends are our community. Our friends hold us up, inspire us, instruct us around the world. And I wanted to make sure to write about platonic love because I think not only are our platonic relationships essential to our wellness, but also if your love life doesn't encompass the platonic side of your love, best of luck being happy long-term. Right. And Saturn's move into Aquarius. Also Jupiter is going to be in Aquarius at the end of the year. I feel like we're moving towards that restructure. I mean, like it doesn't make sense. Like a lot of people are single now voluntarily as well and just, or don't want to fit into that. And like, how do you create that, you know, satisfy that need for community that's going to get ramped up even more with Aquarius energy? coming? Absolutely. And, and let's not, you know, forget that Divorce, when I was growing up, was like very hard. It was very different. It was not socially accepted um, in the same way that it is now. I meet someone now and I'm like, oh, your parents are married? That's shocking. And that's partially because women have rights. It's partially because women can earn their own money and have the legal uh, religious right and religious right to leave a relationship. Women aren't owned anymore. And that's new in human history, in Western society, that's actually quite fresh. And I think it's really important to acknowledge that and to acknowledge that we live a lot longer, guys. We are not done. You know, when I was growing up, I was like, oh my God, if you're in your sixties and you know, you're, you're an older person, it's like the end of days a little bit. Now it's like your nineties is a normal life expectancy. Yeah. And so, you know, are you going to marry someone in your mid twenties and stay with them until your nineties? For most people, that's a really tricky ask. And so this is where our friends and our chosen communities and families become really essential. And I think, as you're saying, we are going to see that more and more. Um, and I don't see unless we're, women are forced back into marriages and forced out of making our own money and building our own wealth, I don't see that changing. And that's separate from even considering um, queer, like the queering of relationships and the queering of uh, communities, which is not just about gayness. It's yeah. about um, straight people as well as queer people or gay people recognizing that they don't have to have kids, that they don't have to conform to specific roles. This isn't about gay straight. Or even monogamy or, you know. Yes, yes, exactly. It's not about gay straight. It is about questioning assumptions and questioning our kind of inherited roles and making choices that are authentic and, and bringing our communities up as we do it. You know, that's really what I'm interested in. So that's that part of the book. You covered that in your book. And not only did you... you... Not only do you write about that, but guys, you want this book on your nightstand or coffee table and everywhere where relationships are happening in your life because Jessica, I don't know how you did I'm like, you went through every planet and the signs and houses for all of those different relationship 
sort of, you know, structures. Yeah. I mean, that is, you really like wrote a Bible there. It's really amazing. <laughs> Thank you. I really and appreciate that. From that, that. broad-minded perspective that is relevant, no matter, you know, you're queer, straight, whatever, whatever mm-hmm. label yep. you put on yourself, you can find yourself in the book. And it's, it's because it's so inclusive. And, you know, that, you. that is, you know, it's a testament. That was a lot that must have that's a labor of love. It is power. a labor of love. <laughs> yeah. And you know, when I was writing it, cause like the second section is, it's like Netflix and chill. I didn't call it that in the book, but that's yeah. essentially what it is. It's like, it's like people who you're just hooking up with who you're like, you're hot, but I don't want to date you. Or the early, like the beginning part of a relationship where you can't quite call them your like girlfriend or boyfriend or your partner. They're not your sweetheart yet, but you're like, will it be that? Like that, that to me is another real relationship. And typically when people come for readings the most. Exactly. It's why we turn to astrology. We turn to astrology because we're like, what's going to happen? And I think that, um, you know, not enough astrology books or maybe even any have truly acknowledged that. And it's not just about sex because, you know, as I'm writing the book, I am thinking about people who are not monogamous, people who don't fit into the binary. I'm thinking about ace people. I'm thinking about people who are just like super kinky and don't want to make love. Like I'm thinking about all the things. And, (laughs) and I'm thinking about, um, and I'm thinking about like how, you know, how to not speak in ways that exclude anyone. And that's tricky because some things are more authentic for one demographic than another. So it's inevitable to an extent, um, in, you know, it's not, it's not a book this big. I mean, it's a, it's a book this big. So, um, so it's a good size Bible. For thank sure. you. It's definitely not a 500 page Bible though. So like, you know, there were limitations, but I think that with the kind of like middle range of dating. So I am obsessed with boundaries. Anyone who listens to my podcast or reads my work, but especially if you listen to my podcast, you will quickly learn. Talk about I boundaries am- to me because I have sun conjunct Neptune and oh, they are not my- they are, Not you know, your jam. <laughs> not your jam. They need to be my jam, but I'm like, what? No, I mean- I- <laughs> I love boundaries are my obsession and I'm a 12th house Capricorn. So I have Mars, moon, and sun all in the 12th. So I really have dedicated my life to, to, to understanding what boundaries are, to cultivating boundaries in myself and to supporting other people with them. And I really, um, a big part of that middle section where I talk about the Netflix and chill, the early stages of dating is looking at the planets from the perspective of how can you have fun? How can you be authentic without giving yourself away without abandoning yourself, which is essentially what not having boundaries is. It's a self-abandonment. And how, how, what is the style that the sun does that in? What is the style that Venus does that in? What is the style that Neptune does that in, right? It's about looking at all those things. And I think when people start learning astrology, they avoid the outer planets because, you know, like you can be within, you know, a chunk of years of someone and have Saturn in the same sign or Pluto in the same sign, but it's a mistake because when you put those outer planets in a house, it is your trauma. It's your inherited trauma. It's your passion. It's your compulsion. It's, it's, it's one of your deepest life lessons because the outer planets govern inherited conditions. So if you have a Neptune sun, conjunction that tells us of your inherited conditions. It tells us about your mother and your father. It doesn't just tell us about you and your life path, right? And we don't get that from the personal planets. We only get that from the impersonal planets, those outer planets. And so, you know, I did my level best in the book to, um, you know, share information about that from my perspective. And, um, and I think that, again, when we talk about real relationships, the reality is the misconception is we date from Venus and Mars mm. and that's it. And the reality is we date for a million other reasons and we date from all parts of ourselves, not just those two parts. And that's why I went through every planet because I, I want to talk about every part. Yeah. Yeah. And it's so true. I mean, it really is so powerful that you did that. I just think that we don't think also how we bring our, our inherited trauma into relationships, but eventually, you know, the modern, you know, even to this day, it's like relationships are still sort of presented as put your best foot forward and hide the rest. And 
you know, that Netflix and chill phase is when we have the most anxiety, I think, because we know that if it does move to the long-term relationship, all our outer planet bullshit is going to come out. Yes. And people are going to see that. And that's just, and yet, and so, and here we are in this era and it's, you know, 2020, here we are, we can, you know, filter everything. We can craft an image. We can, you know, basically we're like, here are my Instagram followers, this define, you know, or whatever. This is what we can, we can, we were defined by so many things that, you know, are a mask. And yes. Yeah. What do you that think? Are, you know, are people longing? Do you think to, are people going to want to lift the mask more, get beyond that Netflix and show? Or are they going to be stuck there a little bit more? That's a great question. I mean, and you know, to me, there's so many layers of it. And I think there are, I think that, you know, this is where I kind of turn to feminism because this happened in the seventies and it's happening now where we have this misunderstanding of sex positivity as I'm down for everything and I say yes to everything. And the reality is there are gender inequities. There are inequities of power. And the downside of something like Netflix and chill is, do you really think you have a choice to say, I don't want this or to be high maintenance? Mm. I've counseled straight men who feel that there's something wrong with them, that they need an emotional connection to have good sex. Mm-hmm. I've counseled and people, you know, who've put themselves into therapy about it. I've counseled um, people who feel like the only way to be sex positive is to be super slutty or the only way to get a partner is to be super prudish. All these like supposed to's or shoulds, um, they require our presence and our acceptance and our willingness to look at where those ideas come from, you know? And I think that in terms of getting trapped in the Netflix and chill stage, it's only a trap if it's not consensual authentically. Right. And I think a lot of times it isn't, unfortunately, because we are not like liberated and equal. We aren't. And um, we don't live in a vacuum. So this like pressure to be um, sex positive or to be cool or to be easygoing, it's, we can't ignore it. It's huge. And it's, it's right. hu- huge for queers as much as it is for straight people. And I think that we must be willing to look at, there are, there are going to be a large and meaningful population of people who Netflix and chill is their happy place. That is where they want to live. And it's not a phase. It's just, they don't need intimacy. They don't want that kind of intimacy, not from a lover. And that's fair. We don't all have to have this heterotypical uh, goal in mind. That said, I think most people, the majority of people um, actually really do want eventually to have like someone know where they are. Right. And maybe they want that person to be a bestie. Maybe they want that person to be a lover or a beloved. Right. And I think that what we have is we have more separation, more loneliness and longer lifespans. And so within that, I think we have a lot more choices and people actually don't like making choices. We want to be free, but we don't want the responsibility of maybe ma- making a mistake. Yeah. And so it's tricky, right? I but think it's, it's like really that tricky. You laid out, you know, it's like the Holy grail. Now I have moon, Mercury, Mars, and Venus and Scorpio full disclosure, everyone. My so deep. Wired to be like, who's the one? Yeah. <laughs> However, you know, that is over life. It's like learning that that is just like, the, the, the road to hell, you know, because <laughs> one person can be your everything. Right. And yes. I think your approach to relationships shows that you can build and, you know, love, find love in many forms. You know, you can have your Netflix and chill friend. You can have a long-term relationship. Maybe you can have both depending on your partner. You can have your chosen family. You know, it's like, yeah. you don't have to go to one person for everything. That era is done. Although we're still living under the, you know, the romanticized, you know, view of that. However, there is something happening in 2020, which may kind of pull for a little bit of that twinning. You are my you know, soul twin vibe, which we have Venus, which is going to be on an extended tour of Gemini from April 3rd to August 7th, and then retrograde from May 13th to uh, June 25th. Don't freak out, everyone. Uh, But Jessica, I would like to hear your take on what you think that's going to do just on a more 
you know, is it going to be light or is it going to be like, is it gonna, what's it going to do? You know, what do you think? I mean, I, so there's like a couple things I think. The first one is, and here I am, the murderer of boners everywhere. The first (laughs) thing I think is that um, that Saturn, Pluto, Jupiter, Saturn, Pluto, and Cap is going to be the cloud that blots out all other things. Like I think that ultimately that is what we're going to notice the most because it is so big. Um, And so you know, my first and most honest response is, you know, when people talk about like the Venus retrograde or the Mars and whatever, yeah, I'm like, you know, best of luck for us to really be focused on that. I hope that that's our biggest problem. Like I really do because that means that things aren't terrible. Um, so that's my honest first answer. Now my less catastrophic answer, uh, is I think that Venus retrograde is an opportunity and it's an opportunity to really re- retrogrades are always review, reflect, reassess. That's the law of re's. And so this Venus retrograde is an opportunity to really review what you value, who you care about, and why. Mm. So I don't exactly see it as much as twinning as the, the beautiful thing of Gemini energy is it's interested, it's inquisitive, it's open and it's willing to explore and have experiences in its exploration. And I fucking love that if I may speak a little French, but um, yeah, I I think that Venus um, in Gemini can be a transit that allows us to kind of let go of our attachment and our hold and open up and explore and be interested in each other and be interested in why we're invested, what we're invested in and how we're relating to others. And I think the potential, this is something you kind of touched on when we were chatting before, um, the potential of this being um, really interesting in how uh, the conversation around gender uh, and embodying gender outside of binary. I think this can be a time where this absolutely becomes a bigger conversation, both internally, personally, but also societally, especially because, and forgive me because I don't remember, will Venus form a square to Neptune a couple times in that mix? Oh, I think it does. Yeah. I feel like it has sure. to. It has to at some point in there. I'm yeah. not sure if it's during the retrograde, but it, it must. Yeah. I feel like w- that is worth bookmarking because mm-hmm. that expands the theme of looking outside of binary, right? And oh. and that's not just around gender. Of course, it's around our finances. I mean, I'm obsessed with talking about, and I know not all astrologers see Venus as like a personal finances or, or like a financial it's, planet, val- it's what you value, what you'll spend on, yep. what you'll- yep. Yeah. And the and North I think- Node's going in Gemini too on May 5th. And we have Sagittarius oh. Gemini eclipses coming. So we're going to be feeling that yeah. um, polarity too. I'm sorry. I'm obsessed with the North Node. No, I love that. Well, and yeah. and I think, so- I think that we will see like less around relationships, but more around finances. I think we'll see major ah, shifts in the economic system. Um, and I don't know if that is like an introdu- a, a deeper introduction of cryptocurrencies or alternative currencies, because we still do have Uranus and Taurus, which is associated with changes in um, the like foundation of the economic system, right? Ooh, yes. And so when we have this uh, Venus retrograde, I imagine that we're going to see major um, occurrences um, in in the in the value of currency or in the stock market and so and this is not a great time for speculative investing not not on topic but worth saying and so yeah you know i'm thinking of gemini kind of using the barter system or you know like we're kind of running out of resources here uh well we have many of them but they're just sort of all clustered and yeah like also gemini is a trickster gemini is like you know it with all this gemini stuff it's like are you going to be you know buying snake oil or are you going to be buying something real it's a great salesman gemini is a great salesman and with all this capricorn stuff because we can never look at any of these things isolated because they're all happening in concert with each other when we look at all this capricorn stuff there is a risk neptune and pisces venus and gemini especially retrograde there's a risk that we will allow ourselves to be sold basically uh, propaganda that tells us what we want to hear because it feels nice and keeps us on the surface. So we must commit to reviewing and reassessing and returning to what we value. It'll be very interesting during an election year too to have that Venus-Neptune squaring and two of the most 
you know, illusory placements, you know, what that, that's the shadow of Neptune and Pisces is like, what is real? I can't. And then Venus and Gemini too. So it's going to be, and so May 13th to June 25th is going to be a lot of, you know, primary elections happening and yeah, it's so, what are you, what I, well, you know, do you have, you know, any kind of other big picture previews that you've been ruminating on as you look ahead to the new decade. I mean, of course, it's just such a strange cacophony in the skies in 2020. Um, What do you think the best and brightest, you know, let let my sad side, I know you've got, (laughs) I know, you know, I'm a triple Capricorn. I'm like best and brightest. What What is that? How is that? I I can't follow that. Don't even, don't even let's okay. I have, I have an answer. I have an answer. I think that the, the greatest potential, it's like a boring answer, but I'm okay with being boring. Um, I think the best and the brightest of what we have coming in 2020 is a greater sense of connection and community and interconnectedness. Yeah. I think that there is a potential for us to really uh, return to what's important and what actually matters. I think that's the the positive potential of this time. I am not hopeful um, as a person in general, to be fair, mm-hmm. and also certainly not about the astrology, but I'm deeply determined. And I see every problem. I earnestly see problems as an opportunity to locate myself and to find how can I act in integrity here? How What is integrity in this context, what is realistic for me to do, not idealistic, but realistic for me to do from the situation I'm in, the person I am, the resources I have, the limitations I have, and then what the calling is. And I think that this energy is going to be supportive in us doing that if we orient our thinking in that way. And this is where astrology and astrologers step in because we have access to seeing these trends, not just from a historical standpoint, although astrology and history are really tight, right? What we have the access to do is to look at the spiritual underpinnings, the spiritual calling, and to use that as greater motivation for making somewhat difficult choices personally and socially and politically. And um, I think as we do that, all we do is bolster our own souls. All we do is bolster our own humanity. And then that has like this ripple effect, you know, and this ripple effect does impact people that we can't understand the language they're speaking and we don't know what their situation is because, you know, from an energetics perspective, we, when we are more humane in one community, it kind of creates the energy field of acceptance and understanding in another. So, you know, I'm all about being woo when I'm pairing it with practical right. and like action-based things. And I think that that's something that we're going to see potentially more of across the world and across cultures. And we'll be able to pull in that. We still know, we're still in touch with the fact that we're on planet earth and that we're, but we're also guided by some mystical, you know, uh, force that we can't explain yeah. astrology being one of them. We can decode it, but we don't know why really right um and yet there's a practicality there's a need to as i say bring the stars down to earth and more than ever this year uh, in 2020 with the capricorn cluster just calling for it um the south node is the karmic south node is still in capricorn until may 5th too so yeah i mean the best and, and brightest is truly an inside job. It sounds like you're saying it's like Absolutely. finding your, the way to shine your light um, and making, whether that's illuminating a place where you need to change and grow and acknowledge that you're, you know, what needs to shift inside of yourself so you can take that out to your external landscape. Um, yeah. I think yeah. it's going to be quite a year. I can't wait to uh, continue to, touch base with you throughout the year and see how this absolutely <laughs> absolutely and i think also i can just add really briefly to the mix yeah. uranus and taurus oh i love that you put on your glasses for I that. Have to. uranus and taurus is the one thing we didn't touch on and i think it's really important yeah. when we look at what happens in history when the planet uranus cycles through taurus um it's really important to remember 
our humanity. And it's just this other reiteration. And I, and I pointed out, not because I have something new to add to what we've already said, but more because I think when you're a student of astrology, it's easy to get too fixated on the signs. And so a lot of the themes that Uranus and Taurus is triggering societally it would be easy to attribute to all this Capricorn energy, but Uranus is in Taurus, another earth sign. And there's this Uranus and Saturn have some similarities energetically. Um, and they're meaningful ones at this time because we have the reiteration of the Capricorn energy, Saturn and Capricorn. What do you see Uranus as their, what do you see as their common, their most you mm -hmm. know, prevalent common themes that they share, Uranus and Saturn? They're obstinate. They're punishing. They're, there's right and there's wrong. And I'm going to tell you which it is. Uranus mm. and Saturn have that in common. <laughs> and they do it in very different ways. You know, Saturn is the conventional person going to the mall to pick up their meal. And Uranus is the punk going to like the fucking side alley. Sorry, I keep on cussing. Uh, the, <laughs> like the side shop to pick up their meal. Like it is it, Uranus and, and Saturn are different expressions of society yes of convention and they both get really um fixated on this is the truth this is reality this is what i'm telling you and so when we have both of these planets in earth signs yeah we have you know what we're seeing you know the reason why people are taking to the streets the reason why um in american culture we've become so much more political is because we are outraged it's because things are wrong. And so Uranus is that outrage. It's taking to the streets. It's calling things out. It's feeling the need to be um, a part of something and connecting with people, whether it's online or in person around what we believe. And if it wasn't for Uranus, if it was just Saturn, we might only be talking about it with our friends. Mm. or our families. But because of Uranus and Taurus, we are talking about it domestically and globally. In ways that we haven't for so long. I mean, the yes. last time was, you know, under sadly that Uranus was in Taurus was under Hitler's regime, yes. and which birthed yeah. UN, right? So yeah. the reason why the UN came together was in response to the rise of fascism and tyranny for men like Hitler, and so we see this like coalition of nations having more of a global conversation started with Uranus and Taurus, and here we are with the UN falling apart right? Mm -hmm. the, the nations don't want to talk to each other anymore, at least certain nations. Mm -hmm. Let's not name names uh, or let's name names as it were. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, let's I think- Uranus or Saturn restraint or just let it out. Exactly. Freedom. It's like my whole Freedom. life. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so I think, I think that this is an important thing when, when you're learning astrology, because of course we're talking astro talks, mm -hmm. um, when you're learning astrology to be able to see the nuance in the difference between something like Aquarius and Capricorn or Uranus and Saturn, this is um, foundational to have a really functional use of astrology. Um, so it's great to pay attention to that. And if you're curious about what has happened historically under these influences, all you got to do is some solid uh, encyclopedia work, aka Googling. Um, you well, know, we have a bunch of it in our book. A lot we've written about extensively about it. And we did something in the 2019 book about all the historical trends of Uranus and Taurus. So I can't wait. I can't wait go up to on see our that. Site. I know. It's like, it's fascinating and it also alarming. alarming. But, but history, the, when history comes back around, we can learn from the the past, mm -hmm. you know, mistakes, yeah. transgressions and lessons so that, you know, we don't repeat it. But it's, it's so interesting how the planets will just keep pushing the same karmic lessons forward. Yes. And the outer planets are definitely, you They're know, the ones. the ones that do, you know, the outer planets are, they are the most neglected part of astrology. I couldn't agree with you more yeah. Yeah. They're, they're literally my obsession. They're, they're the main thing I focus on in all things I do with astrology. And I will also say that, you know, within all of this, you know, for as long as we have net neutrality, for as long as we have the internet, for as long as we have apps like Bridgeify that allow us to jump over social media, we can share our stories. And for as long as we can share our stories, we can win hearts and minds. And here's the thing. We don't change people's minds. We change people's hearts and then their minds follow. Oh, and we don't want to forget weird. that with all this Capricorn stuff, which is just like, let me tell you what. It's don't <laughs> tell people, share. 
you know, because that's where we have authentic growth in societies. And this is the beauty of Capricorn energy. You know, people often say to me like, oh, you're a triple Capricorn. I can't believe you're like emotionally intelligent. And you talk about emotions all the time. That's actually what Capricorn is. Yeah. That's actually what Capricorn is. You understand about- the systems and structures of how emotions work and come together. And the yes. yes. Yeah. It's about maturity and you cannot have maturity True. without emotions. It's True. not, that's not what a maturity is. A maturity it relies on emotional integrity. And I think that this is something that we are all as a society coming together around and stumbling around. And if we can continue to not shame or punish each other as some of us stumble, then I think we'll make real progress. And we are already making progress. As much as we have a lot of terrible things happening, more than not, I think what we have is terrible things happening and us seeing them and having to cope with them. And that is good. And I mean, it's, it's not all good, but it's good. The shock therapy is phase is over. Yeah. We have seen the shat Pluto and Saturn have showed us the shadow of humanity, yeah. you know, and you know, of course there's always more we don't want to see, but we've seen enough, yeah. I think, yeah. to go like, and then we have to go, where's that me? Where am I? The, you know, Jupiter yeah. tour through Capricorn is a, you know, an opportunity to get philosophical and self-reflect too. Yes. And to heal. Jupiter lights things up so that we can heal them. And the nice thing about Jupiter is it can energize all that stuck Saturn, Pluto, like I shoulds. Um, And it can kind of create a little more air in there. So, you know, I, I just think of it this way. Listen, you know, airplanes, how, how heavy are they? They're like tons and they fly. And so something can be heavy and still catch air. You just have to have the right math behind it. You just have to, you know, like have a strategy. Jupiter, give us wings. I think you said, I think you gave us the quote for the new decade. We don't change people's minds. We change their hearts and their minds follow. That is beautiful and brilliant and such a new way of thinking of things. Like if you catch yourself stuck in an ideological debate again, you know, whether it's on social media or at a family gathering or whatever, someone, you know, at a bar, go to the heart. Go Go to to the heart. heart. Always go to the heart. (laughs) And if somebody is cruel to your heart or unwilling to connect with hearts, then, you know, in the words of Brene Brown, don't be a jackass whisperer. That's a Brene Brown quote. (laughs) I can't take credit for that. Um, you know, it's, it's about talk, right? Yeah, exactly. You don't have to have a conversation with everybody. Once you've determined that a person doesn't want to have a conversation with you, that they're only going to be punishing or cruel, stop talking to them. That's okay. Talk about the weather. There's lots to talk about with the weather. It's cold. It's hot. (laughs) (laughs) You know, like it's okay. Leave. You don't have to stick around. There's so many, there's billions of people to interact with. And, you know, 2020 is going to bring us in touch with them even more, I think. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Well, what, what can people look forward to? Where can they find your book? Where can they find more about you? And really, thank you so much for oh coming God. on and sharing your wisdom. I feel like I could talk to you for like, you know. I know. I'm like, can't we talk for another two hours? What? Um, <laughs> Thank you for having me, first of all. This is, I love that the two of you have organized this. I am so excited to be a part of it and to be mm-hmm. in community with so many amazing astrologers. We are in a special moment where people who are actually have been practicing for many years can come together and resource and share our perspective and our knowledge and share it with people like who live all around the world. And it's so powerful. So thank you, my Sagittarius, sweetheart. Oh my God. Thank you, my Capricorn rising sister. How lucky are we? And that's why, you know, I'm so grateful that we get to put this summit together. This is actually a time where people, you know, I think, some journalists might be a little bit surprised by it, but astrologers are, you know, are the respected advisors of the new decade because yeah. we're tapped in down here and up there yeah. in ways that people are starting to realize, you know, there's some unique code. We don't quite know why, but we know there's a unique code and people mm-hmm. want answers beyond what's, you know, on this plane. And I just, you're so yeah. good at tying together what's happening on planet Earth with Pluto and Saturn and Uranus and 
beyond, you know, I, I you. love how you weave it all together. So let everyone know where they can, okay. where can they find your book. Give us okay. a call out. So you can buy my book, Astrology for Real Relationships, Understanding You, Me, and How We All Get Along. Uh, pretty much anywhere. You can go to my website and buy it. You can go to any independent bookstore, pre-order it, buy it. Uh, Target, Amazon, it's selling, you know, all those places, Barnes and Noble, all the places where you can buy books. There's that. Now you can also listen to my weekly show, Ghost of a Podcast. It's a podcast and I answer Amazing. a listener question. Thank you. Every week and I read charts or I talk to animals or I talk to their dad. What else? Um, and then in the second half, I talk about the astrology of the week ahead. So it's not a sun sign horoscope, but it's a breakdown of the astrological trends. And it's a great learning tool if you're interested in learning, but I'm not like expressly teaching. I'm more modeling classic Capricorn. So you can listen to my <laughs> podcast. I Ghost. do, not as I say. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. Uh, so yeah, go to a podcast, uh, anywhere the podcasts are heard or again on my website. And also I'm, I'm all over social media, Instagram and Twitter mainly, but uh, I'm at Jessica Lignato. So you can go all of those things. Oh, wait, one more thing. I also have a free iOS app called oh. Tiny Spark. Did you know oh, that? Yes. yes I it's new. It's very cute. It's pink and it's basically like a modern magic eight ball. And it says things like calm down or stop asking that question. Like it's basically <laughs> to me. I have a 19 year old cousin who I'm obsessed with and I love. And she texted me just last week and she was like, I asked the same question three times in a row. And every time it told me to get grounded and ask again, and I'm so mad because it's basically you. I was like, <laughs> yes, it's basically me. I'm just going to um, say it again, like a broken record technique until you get it, people. Exactly, exactly. Like advice once. Exactly, okay. all Capricorn, all the time. So yeah, so you, you can do best all the aesthetic too. I love all the, you know. Thank you. You know, you've got a Gemini on your team doing all this beautiful design work, but I know you're directing it with your your Venus and Aquarius. That yes, indeed I am. <laughs> yes, indeed I am. Don't let anyone tell you the Capricorns are scared of color. I'm not terrified of color. Bring more color into my life, I say. Um, <laughs> exactly, exactly. So yeah, so you can find me all over the internet there. And please do, uh, you know, buy my book as a present for your frenemies and your exes, not just your friends and your lovers, because uh, we all need to learn and grow. Okay. That was just, I just said that I pulled that out of my butt. I'm sorry. That's a weird thing to That's say. Just but like, are you sure you don't have Scorpio in your I, too? I know. No, I, I don't actually. The, I'm thinking of some people from my Exactly. I'm, I'm all like the weird passive aggressive book that I got in the mail from my ex. That would be really funny. It would be funny, but maybe. Okay. Why we didn't work out. So exactly. Well, thank you again for having me on. This was fantastic. Oh my God. Thank you. I can't wait to go jumpsuit shopping and paint our nails together again too. Uh, by the, you know, we had a little chat about how, you know, if you've ever had a reading for us, we may or may not have been channeling by doing our nails. There's some, so all you astrologers out there, um, sometimes when you shift your brain waves and do your nails during the reading, you can call in all kinds of things. We're not Real even talk. Thinking, okay? Yes. We'll leave you with that little, that one to interpret on your own. Thank you so much. Mwah. I love to have you on and I will see you soon. Bye. Bye.